Hi, I'm Margot. Hey, I'm Abby. Thank you so much for joining us on the Anxiety Warriors podcast. We have anxiety and we believe that our anxious feelings make us stronger people. One of our superpowers is being open, loving, and curious with ourselves. Yeah, we're all just doing the best we can one moment at a time, one breath at a time. And we're so glad you're on this journey of life with us. Here's the show. Welcome back, Warrior Family. We are so happy to be here with you. God, that was horrible. (laughs) So good. I loved it. We're keeping it in. Okay. Warrior, welcome. We are thrilled for this week's episode. We talked to a wonderful, warm, funny. Mm-hmm. We say this about all of our guests, but all of them are so freaking awesome. It's really hard mm-hmm. not to, to love on them. Um, we spoke to Josh Nichols mm-hmm. and Josh is um, one of Abby's improv teachers. Yes. Right. Yes. Such a great story. Such a fun guest. We cannot wait for you to hear this conversation. Um, but before Abby recaps for us a little bit about our chat, let me let you all know a little bit about who Josh Nichols is. Josh is the artistic director and education director at Rise Comedy in Denver. He enjoys performing, producing, and teaching improvisation and has done so all over the U.S. and internationally. He studied directly under some of the best teachers and performers of improv from all the major comedy institutions in the U.S. He considers himself fortunate to have built a life and career centered on the joy and growth of others. He's been with his wife and best friend KP for 20 years. They enjoy coffee on the balcony and spending time with their two kids. All right. So. Abby, tell us a little bit about this convo. Yeah. So like I say every week, this was super, (laughs) super fun. Um, Josh is so super fun. So like Margot just said, um, Josh was one of my teachers. He's also the owner um, of Rise Comedy. And um, I started my class with him uh, right before the pandemic hit. And after like our second or third class together, um, they had to close. Mm. And fortunately, they are still open. So I was able to finish up my sixth class. They're still going. Um, Josh is just an incredible human being. Um, and so he starts off by sharing like, like many of the other warriors we've had on here about how he was just living his life with anxiety. And it wasn't until recently as an adult that he realized, oh, this is anxiety. (laughs) Not everyone lives the way I'm living with overthinking and pre-planning and, you know, and so he shares a little bit about, um, we both love this phrase, transactional anxiety, how there's always this pre-planning that goes into like when you walk into a store and you want to buy something and, you know, how are you going to hold your body and how are you going to interact with the person? Um, You know, how long does it take you to get your money back in your wallet? And it's like all of these teeny little things, but there's so much overthinking. And so Josh shares a little bit about what it's like to live with this transactional anxiety and how it can just be really exhausting and it can lead to having unserving, you know, behaviors or coping mechanisms. Um, And then he gets into sharing about um, improv and how improv has really helped him just feel like he can be in the present moment um, and how he, you know, doesn't have to overthink everything. And he just shares beautifully how improv has impacted his life. One, as being an improv teacher, two, as being an uh, improviser. And three, being in the community of other people in improv. And so it's just this really um, beautiful, supportive story about how improv complements his life and threads through his life. And Josh beautifully shared this idea about how worry, right, is something that can definitely be exhausting and draining, but also can set our future selves up for success. And I really loved that piece of the conversation. Um, This was just really, really fun. Lightning run was super fun. And I just, I love how Josh paints pictures. You know, he talks about like picking the locks and y'all will find out what that means, but he just paints these beautiful pictures that help you see his experience with anxiety. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. He has a very powerful lens. Um, And we know all of you warriors are going to love this conversation as much as we did. Here's the show. Welcome back warriors. We have got an incredible guest uh, with us today. Josh, welcome to the show. Yay. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yay. 
So excited. We're so glad you're here. We really appreciate you um, jumping on to be a guest with us. So let's just dive right into, um, tell us a little bit about your anxiety journey, how anxiety has shown up in your life. Well, I think the, the main thing is it, it took me a long time to realize it was anxiety. Um, I just thought it was, that's how you felt whenever you talk to somebody, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, especially in any kind of like um, a transactional setting. I, and, or somebody knew, where I uh, thought that someone might know more than me about what was going on. My brain was RPMing the whole time trying to figure out, I don't want to sound stupid and I don't want to say the wrong thing and I don't want to make their day harder. You know, um, uh, I thought that was normal human behavior uh, <laughs> because I, I, knew, I knew nothing else. Uh, and then as I got older and you start, you know, you start seeing how other people can so uh, adeptly handle those situations, I started realizing maybe there is something different about me and also like what's wrong with me, you know, so I went through that. Um, uh, and that kind of realization, you, I go back in time and kind of like uh, the Kaiser Soze movie where you just sort of realize at the end all the clues come together and you're like, oh, wow, that was the, that was the part of the, the connect the dot that I didn't have that tied a lot of my experiences together. And I went back and I just started realizing, like, you know, I had an isolated childhood, so I didn't have a lot of um, interaction. I only, I mostly interacted with adults mm. and, and uh, it wasn't like warm. <laughs> so I'll just say that. Um, and uh, so I was isolated in that way. So I didn't have a lot of practice. And so it really even set me up for failure more. And then I started getting in my own head about it, obviously, which is what anxiety sort of is. You're up in your own head. Um, so that's kind of the experience of that. And then working through it and realizing um, that this is the thing that I'm gonna have to focus on and get better at. And at the same time, my whole life, I was also involved uh, in um, improvisation. And that uh, started, get, when I looked back and I started realizing, I, oh, I, I know a lot of these tools. I teach these tools. Um, it, again, had that, the karate kid moment of like, oh yeah, I thought this was, you know, empathy and connection for improv to make my scenes better. But ultimately, uh, it was like, oh, I should be making eye contact with people, um, <laughs> you know, uh, so I can understand how, what, you know, what is being received. And also maybe my interpretation of how it's being received isn't accurate and it's okay, you know, um, and going through that and I, so I started applying some of my improv skills and tools and axioms that I've been teaching forever and really uh, I think I'm making progress I, you know life is, life is easier uh you know as I get better at it so yeah, I think that's my journey I hope that's what <laughs> yeah totally so so what's really interesting is like with so many of our guests um, they share, they're all around like our age. Some are a little younger, some are a little older, but they all share this. Like, I didn't realize the way I was feeling was anxiety until I was a grown up, Right. So like for you, was there like the aha moment or like, it sounds like there was like this slow learning. Um, and like, how old were you when you realized like, Oh wait, <laughs> this is anxiety. This is not what everyone has. Uh, very old, um, uh, recently, like in late, I mean, very, very old, obviously it doesn't, you know, <laughs> uh, it's younger than I am now and I'm not very old currently, right. but, um, uh, I was, uh, late thirties mm -hmm. and, um, I went in to go buy a video game system. Uh, I like video games because they allow me something to focus on yes. where my brain is not coming after me sometimes, you know, yes. uh, which is what anxiety feels like. Um, so, uh, uh, I went to go buy one, but then I had this really emotional experience about like, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to talk to some kid and um, they're going to know a lot more about video game consoles. And I already know that video game consoles, this like the pathway of this transaction. I already know they're not as good as PC, but I don't want to deal with PC. I want something that just works. And so, and I was like, and then I'll buy like, what game should I buy? I don't want to buy a game that'll make me think like I'm weird you know, I put like so much importance. It's almost like, you know, like there's this element of like, I'm way more important than I am, you know, in this, like, I'm just another transaction to this person and that has brought me like a ton of peace. Uh, and then I decided to like, as a joke, kind of write this post. Uh, and I call it like, I called it tales of broken Josh. And I started writing a lot more. And in fact, I have like these comedic newspaper 
headlines that I've made in the past that are nothing about, nothing but about all my weird anxieties that mm. in my processes of thinking about. Them. Yeah. So I've kind of satirized my anxiety. Oh, I love um, that. <laughs> um, but I wrote this out and then a bunch of people went, why are you worried about this? You know, why, like, you're just a person buying something. No one, they, they love the fact that older people are playing video games now. And I mean, all this stuff. And like, all these people were like, I don't understand this. And I think that was the contrast moment where um, I realized like, wow, people don't stress going to purchase something. Um, And uh, that was very recently. And so that's when I started like kind of getting into, well, I need to start exploring some of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. Go ahead, Abby. I was just going to say, I think we can both really in the like, yeah, right. Like just the smallest things, the smallest things, like going in to buy something and the like pre-planning the conversation and like, how am I going to hold my body? And you know, what if I say something stupid or how long is it going to take me to make the decision? Like just so much noise. Yeah. It's funny because I call it out too, too soon. I got my wallet, like, I'll put it back. Yes. Now, I'm, now I'm grabbing my wallet again. I'm totally a freak. Yeah. It's so fun. I've never heard the phrase transactional anxiety before. I'm like obsessed with it. I'm because yeah. I, I really, I relate very hard to almost everything you shared about um, just like not wanting to sound dumb or thinking, overthinking about what am I going to say next and how far back do I have to go in like my thought process before I can speak, open my mouth to say something. And, and then I, one of them just hit me and it's a lot more, um, I should say fleeting or more silly than like the, I don't want to sound silly or stupid or like act like I'm too old to play this game or whatever. But like, have you ever had that anxiety where you're standing at the counter and then there's a line of people behind you and you can't get your cash back in your wallet fast <laughs> enough? Oh yeah. Is that just me oh. or? <laughs> no, when I drive away from like fast food lines, yes, I eat garbage. Uh, when I drive away from fast food lines, like I'm like scrambling as if I'm being chased, like to get away from the last window so the next person can pull up and get everything. And they hand you everything at once, you know? So right. Like, uh, and I'm like almost driving into the building. Yes. You're like, uh, how am I supposed to handle my change and, you know, get my car back into gear and get moving, like, and put the food down? Yeah, I, exactly. Yeah. So it just hit me when you, the, the phrase transactional anxiety, I was like, oh man, mine is more about like the logistics of like, the exchange and less about the verbal communication part. So that part's really interesting to me, like um, that you shared. Yeah. So interesting. But yeah, I, yeah. Abby and I relate very hard <laughs> to the like, we don't want to sound insane or silly or there's some must be yeah. something wrong with us. <laughs> For so sure. I think I, I'm so envious of like, I also like sometimes I wish I, I wish some people were a little bit more self-reflective of their exchanges. Yeah, uh, you know, like I think there's a happy medium. <laughs> yeah, um, but I'm sometimes very jealous of those people that just go through life having no idea how they've affected other people that day, mm. uh, because I'm imagining scenarios in my head all the time about how I'm negatively affecting almost everyone that that is in my space. Yes, yes, it's a lot of work. It's you're RPMing. You're exhausted by the it's end exhausting. Of the day. Yeah, yeah, right. And some of it is like thoughtfulness and kindness right? Like some of it is really just being really overly self-aware and self-reflective, right? And not wanting to inconvenience others or make others wait or take something we did the wrong way. But all yeah. of that is just exhausting. Yeah. It, it, like I, One of my moments that I noticed how often this hits me is when I know someone's waiting for my parking space. <laughs> I, it's like I'm in a rate, you know, where they used to run to their cars and like Dukes of Hazard in them and try and go. Like, that's why I feel like I'm like, eh, I'm like burning rubber getting out of there. Like, oh. Getaway car. <laughs> because I'm so concerned. Yeah. How long I have to wait? And then I'm worried about the people that they're going to block in the lane because yes. that's frustrating. Yeah. 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 It's, oh my uh, gosh. Too funny. This can't be the way to live. <laughs> you know, and I really appreciate you bringing up in your story too about how when, when those people either I'm guessing on the internet or wherever, like reflected back to you, like, why are you worried about this? Right. And that was kind of like an aha for you. Um, I appreciated you say, were you sharing that? Because I feel like 
so many of us anxiety warriors feel like what's wrong with us. Something's wrong with us. We're different. Right. And so having a slew of people saying to you, like, no, that isn't, you should worry less about that. A is maybe not necessarily the most helpful of language to offer someone that's experiencing any kind of, you know, fear, anxiety issues, whatever. Um, So just anyone listening, that's like, oh, maybe I've said something that that kind of blanket to someone before that's a good chance for self-reflection for you. Um, But also I just think it's important to note that like, while we may worry so much about the things that we're saying and doing, nobody is looking or thinking about us in the way that we're looking and thinking about us. Yeah. And so it's a constant reminder for me too. So I really valued you highlighting that. Yeah. Well, I think about them too. Like it, to me, it's the things that are in people's blind spots. They go, why would you worry about this? Because they've never had to worry about it. Mm-hmm. So they have no, it is a totally imaginary place that they've never conceived of. Mm-hmm. They're living like, I don't know, it's like a deep philosophy, like the Plato's cave of not seeing real objects. They're only seeing the shadow on the wall. Sorry to be too philosophical, but no, like, but that, that's what they, they don't, that's, they have no experience with that and bless them you know yeah. <laughs> like, what? uh but that's how and i'm sure that i have blind spots like that too um you know constantly got to be looking at like how other people are experiencing things but not in the way that the so bothers us which right. i think is the anxiety that I, i'm constantly feeling yeah mm. all right so speaking on the body a little bit you told us a little bit about how um anxiety shows up in your thoughts and your mind uh and maybe you want to speak more on that but Tell us some of the ways that anxiety kind of manifests itself in your physical body, in your mind, in your behaviors. Um, well, I can tell you that uh, I've never, ever received any kind of like massage or something where someone didn't go, wow, your neck and shoulders mm-hmm. are extremely tense. Wow. Um, and here's the thing too, even while getting a massage, I, I kind of have issues with getting them because I start really worrying about the transactional nature of that, you know? Um, so I can't even enjoy something that is like designed for like relaxation. Yes. You know? uh, I, I've gotten to a better place with it, but uh, it took a while, but like, they're always commenting on that. So I know I'm tense a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I'm physically tense a lot. I also know that my anxiety causes to me to make choices with food you know, um, that I see comfort in that. And, uh, and that's definitely affected my health and my well-being. And, you know, uh, obviously the exhaustion of being as anxious as I am sometimes affects my willpower. And I think willpower is definitely tied to, you know, how much energy you have. Um, and so, uh, obviously late nights in my career too. So like it manifests that it manifests in my diet and that totally affects my well-being and health. And so then I'm, I'm tense, and uh and i'm not eating well um so uh and that is all the the origin point of this or at least a strong part of the 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 font of it is the anxiety i'm constantly um in my brain about right right and you know i i i i love what you're saying but i don't love it like I, i like that you're just saying how exhausting it is like having constant overthinking and constant anxiety is so exhausting. And I, 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 I can relate. I'm pretty sure Margo can totally relate too. Yeah. Um, and it's just so draining and right. So then something like willpower, right. We're constantly working at the overthinking and the anxiety and the anxious thoughts that like something like grabbing a cheeseburger, which is way more convenient than going home and cooking for an hour is just the easy thing to do. And then like, for me, it's like, then I overthink what I'm eating (laughs) and I'm like, (laughs) and it's like a vicious cycle. Yeah. But I just, so, I so feel you on how exhausting it can be. But then, like you said, like the people that have never had these worries, just, they just don't get it. They just, they've had the luxury of not worrying. It's a super privilege. It really yeah. is, you know? Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, you know, and I definitely have made strides though. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, we'll probably chat, but like, I've definitely gotten better and it's been very helpful to know. Cause once you know that you have something, right, you have a direction or like a knot to start working at to untie. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's very invigorating because you're like, oh, now I have a direction. I have a thing to focus on. Right. Uh, so making that discovery was great and has improved my well-being so much. Mm-hmm. 
this is this is just the perfect segue literally (laughs) to my next question um you know you had expressed um you had described yourself as neurodivergent and you talked a little bit just before about um having challenges in social interactions and avoiding things like eye contact and things like that so um, you'd mentioned making great strides in our call, building on the kinds of connections you were seeking. So just, yeah, tell us a lot more about that. Cause I thought that was super interesting. Yeah. You know, um, uh, the, the neurodivergency is something that was another thing I discovered in this journey too. And that it, uh, it definitely is at a core of the anxiety itself. Um, like just like a different understanding of how things should be. I have a very, I'm very, uh, I can be very hyper vigilant. Mm-hmm. Yes, like no this is the most efficient way to uh navigate the freeway how dare you do what you've done so <laughs> you know uh like that uh that kind of thing and so um once I realized kind of what was going on and again in the, another moment where like things just connected with that and I've started I'm going through the process of exploring all of that and all my symptoms and they make too much sense. So like I'm, I'm navigating towards an official diagnosis. So that's where I'm at right now. Cause when you're an adult, that's a, that's a process and it's expensive and I don't have a ton of time, but, um, I am on route to that, uh, with, uh, professionals. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's where I'm at and I'm dealing with that. And like, I think, uh, when I, when I chose not to make eye contact, I filled in the void of that information of everyone I interacted with, with the worst possible interpretation. Right. Um, of like what, how they're receiving the news and how they're responding to the news. Mm -hmm. And I was setting myself up for making every interaction something I had to really, really stress about Mm -hmm. as opposed to connecting, uh, which is, you know, it doesn't have to be like direct eye contact. I know some people have a hard time with eye contact. Um, I definitely did and I'm making strides, but uh, to me, it's reading like the expression of it but also taking whatever read you get of the expression of it with uh, way less impact of what's actually going on. Mm-hmm. Right. So like knowing that they're on their journey, having their day, you know, and you're on your journey, having your day and they may have had a bad call or have did something stressing them out. It has nothing to do with you. Don't interpret everything as having to be do, do, to do with you. Right. Um, and that's helped me a lot in my interactions. And I've also get very functional. <laughs> which is mm-hmm. essentially like my job here is to exchange money for goods you know like, yeah. and like what's the what's the most efficient way of just getting that out of the way and only focusing on that you know yeah. um but it does I will say that sometimes like when they throw small tech small talk at you you're like oh you know <laughs> yes yes <laughs> I didn't prepare <laughs> yeah I know I don't yeah. I'm just trying to get through this yeah. uh yeah uh so, but obviously like learning to not take things as personally, uh, to know that you are creating narratives with your interactions that may not necessarily be true yeah. and not to, you know, make those narratives out of concrete or something stable, just make them out of the smoke that they are just, you know, the, the penumbra, the emanation of a penumbra, right? Like the, just that, right. um, instead of making them more solid by freaking out about them or obsessing about them. Right. Um, so I've, uh, I've stopped my brain, at least I'm working on slowing down and stopping my brain from making those synapses and connecting mm-hmm. those interactions in that way and getting in the groove of that. Right. And, um, it's hard to get out of the groove, but once you start realizing these big realizations about yourself that you didn't know until you were older, um, it's, it's easy. You have more wobble, I think, to get out of the groove and start making a new, just a new understanding of your interactions. Yeah. And every step along the way improv gave me that, you know, connecting with people, reading the emotional moment, things, things of that nature. Yeah. And I think we're going to talk a little bit more about improv, but my first thought is like, I, I, I love how you're amazing. I mean, I've seen you on stage. You are a great improviser. Like you are really great with like the basics, like Yes. And, and, you know, and then adding and this and that. And so it's so fascinating that someone who is so good on stage, which seems anxiety producing and provoking, right, is and goes with the flow. So, I mean, it just looks natural and organic and magical. Right. Um, and yet in your in your like day to day, like other part of your life when you're not on stage, 
it doesn't feel that way. Right. And I think sometimes we think like, like, oh, this person's really good at improvising. Like they must be able to like, just naturally be like this everywhere they go in their life. And it's like, no, it's like a continual practice. It's like being able to be present in this transaction with the cashier and being able to go with the flow in that moment and not having all those storylines constantly telling you that you're doing something wrong in this, in this moment. It's just, yeah. Yeah. Um, I have to, you know, the one I've, I've thought about that so much. Why am I so comfortable on stage and so awkward off of it? Uh, it is definitely something I've explored. And one of the, one of the things I've latched on to, and I'm st- still going to keep th- thinking on it, but one of the things I'm, I feel strongly is a part of the recipe of it mm-hmm. is the idea that we have an unspoken contract between the audience. They paid to come see me do something, yeah. you know, right? So my job is to do something. Yeah. And I feel like it's a permission to exist Mm-hmm. to make choices, to impact, you know, um, and I feel so free. And I've often told people that the most free I feel in, in the world is on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I'm free of that. And also I get to use my powers for good. You know? <laughs> uh, all my narratives and anxieties, you know, they give me fun ideas to play out on, yes. on stage. Yes. So, uh, it's one of the things where I'm like, oh, this thing that hurts me here, it helps me. I like being here. I'm, you know, I'm a magician here. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. So, yeah, it's, it's been fun to, to explore that. Yeah. I love that reframe. That's incredible, right? Like the things that are sort of plaguing us throughout our day can also play out in a really fun and dynamic and silly and playful way. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's a, it's a way of coping and <laughs> to a certain extent, I would imagine. Um, it's beautiful. Well, I think we want to have a, a um, moderation with it. You know, mm-hmm. like, like sometimes worry will capture your day and actually make the thing happen that you're worried about happening. Um, but also sometimes worry will go, you know what, I'm going to go read that part again to make sure I understand it. I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to put in the extra work to make sure the event is better. You know, I'm going to mm-hmm. follow up on this sometimes worry manifests in ways that are actually very health healthy for you that make that make you make choices that set up success for future you Mm. it's when it gets overzealous and it's kind of like your immune system when it starts attacking yourself that's when it's uh dangerous i think sometimes it's it's uh it's good it's helped me a lot in my life it's definitely helped me create my career um it's uh but it it's it also needs to be trimmed back like hedges sometimes. You know? <laughs> it so needs you, care. Yeah, it does. Pruning. Yeah. I love that reframe. Yeah. I know. It's so good because I mean, and Abby and I are teachers and speakers and it's like so many of us anxiety warriors are out there putting ourselves out there in the world in ways that most people would assume that people with anxiety wouldn't or couldn't or shouldn't be doing. And so it's just a great permission structure for everyone out there listening that is experiencing anxiety in any form that there are so many brave, proud, make yourself proud things that you can go out and do that. You don't have to let your anxiety have the better of you all the time, certainly. Um, and I just, I love that reframe. So interesting. Um, so I am dying to hear more about improv and I know (laughs) that no, just truly. And we, we, we were like talking about a little bit before we actually hit record, but um, I know that that is a big part of your way of coping. And so tell us about improv, tell us, um, how and why it's benefited you, uh, and being an educator for improv, how that's shaped you and your own anxiety journey. Um, and then any other ways that you like to cope with your anxiety? Yeah, for sure. Okay. So, um, I want to talk about like, as a teacher real quick, cause I think that's, uh, something that I've been thinking about, uh, when, when you are someone that could um, have anxiety about something and so you play out all these different scenarios and ways to how you would respond, uh, you, um, I feel as if you're creating ways to spot other people in those narratives. You're creating an experience with that. So mm-hmm. as a teacher, especially someone uh, teaching something vulnerable and art and, you know, and like based on people bringing themselves to it, um spotting those little narratives and going oh hey and this is this is the way i navigated that that narrative that helped me and it may not work for you but it did help me and at least i have something to give you based on my own experience and i think that that helps me be a teacher a lot um because i've done a lot of the scenario thinking and um uh that gives me at least some kind of knowledge 
or empathy towards what a student might be going through. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I fought really hard to get to where I'm at as a performer. I worked really, really hard because I didn't want to ever teach something that I didn't feel like I was a master of. And so I put a lot of effort into taking as much training as I possibly could. So I could say with authority, I know what I'm talking about and I'm good at this because I could never do it if I didn't feel that way. Um, And because of fighting through all the anxieties and the, the, you know, just the narrative, all that, um, I felt like a very experienced person for that climb to show people the path that I used and the techniques and strategies that I used. Um, So that to me um, was how teaching has helped me with that because it's, I start going, well, now I have, I'm a good teacher. I'm a better teacher for all of the time I put into scenario thinking, which I think is part of, you know, when we have a healthy relationship with just like thinking about the future. Um, uh, as a performer, the, I mean, a basis of improv is the concept of yes. And so I, I think, I feel like I should start there. And the idea of yes. And is, just yes, just like enthusiastically saying yes to somebody will awaken their, their, their confidence in themselves, their doubt will, will be diminished. You know, it, it, the idea that someone with you right now is going to agree enthusiastically and then take what you've offered and build from it is so encouraging. Um, and it, it helps us. It's not that it's a day one thing. It is a process because I think we're very burrowed into protect ourselves mode. Um, but once you start kind of taking those steps and making those leaps of faith and the idea of like, they will support me, they will believe in me. You start to have confidence in yourself. And then you see other people being confident by how you respond to them enthusiastically building off of what they've offered you. Uh, and you see the childlike joy of that person. And you get past all these adult things that are really, you know, the, the machinations of being an adult. And you can get back to those times when you were just a kid playing with somebody um, and you for, forgot about the whole world. You know, for a moment you were whatever dumb character you said you were. Um, and you're running around, you know, you could, I mean, I remember when I was a kid, just meeting other kids in the playground and playing with them. Yeah. And I'm like, I could never do that as an adult <laughs> in some regard, you know what I mean? Like, why are you talking to me? But as a kid, you, you know, you would run up and it just, there was different kinds, at least my experience with different kinds of fear as a kid, that was not a part of it. You were okay with being playful and playing, playing with your imagination. Yeah. Uh, um, so that to me is awoken the child in me that didn't carry as many of the worries that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that feeling. And I also love sharing that feeling with people. Yeah. Most of the notes that I give, I'd say like 99% of the notes I give in improv are fear-based in some regard. They are somebody is afraid and it is manifesting itself in a way. And fear is just worry. It's just anxiety. You know, it's, they share a lot of, uh, a lot of DNA, yeah. fear and anxiety, you know, they're very related. Um, and so uh, helping people navigate that fear and, and being confident in low stakes situations I think will help people um, do better in day-to-day life, yeah. you know, because the low stakes situations are the ones that were just wrecking me, mm-hmm. um, yeah, uh, right? So that as a performer and as a teacher, and then ultimately the thing that I value and treasure the most about all of this improv stuff is the community and connections yes. that you get, not on stage, but off stage the green room warming up, the hanging out, rehearsing, the being on, doing something wonderful together as a group and getting off stage and just being in love with everybody and the experience of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the confidence that it gives you and your own ideas and the ideas of others and just that you're a part of something special. Um, it's a wonderful element. And the community is the thing that I feel like I always said, like, you know, because the theater could have closed during the um, pandemic and yeah. or during the shutdown. Still, we're still in a pandemic, but the shutdown. Um, uh, one of the things I kept saying to myself is I can't, nothing can rob me of my experiences and moments and memories and the friendships I've made off stage. I may never do improv again in some regard. I didn't think that, but I was like, that could be a thing that happens. I could never do it again. Yeah. But those are the moments I treasure. And those were the moments where I was me. And I was playful and I wasn't overcome by p- trying to protect myself and put up walls is when I was vulnerable. 
Right. And it was because I got away from the anxiety of worrying about how I was going to be judged. Yes. You know, and yes. more about like, oh, the, the, you know how you do well at this? You're very you. Yeah. With the, you know, gas on the pedal, your foot on the pedal, and you are you, and you're not thinking or like judging or putting anything through filters or computers where you get to just kind of be subconsciously in and experience a scene. And you walk off stage have barely remembering like elements of, of like how it happened and just yes. oh, that was so beautiful. Yeah. Um, that is, that to me is like life without anxiety and you yeah. can get there in improv. It's, but it's work. There's an ugly duckling phase from starting to getting there, but you get taste of it throughout. Yeah. Um, and they're delicious. I, I, that's what <laughs> yeah. keeps coming back. That's yeah. So for all our listeners, um, so Josh was a teacher of mine. I did go through his school, um, rise and, um, there's, there's like, so like, there's so many amazing nuggets that you just said, right. So I'm going to try to remember the three like top ones, but, but the first one is with the being the teacher, right. You're like, I need to be a master at this. And I feel like that is like the perfectionism anxiety, but coming out in your favor, it was like, you got to be confident in what you're doing and what you're teaching. You might overthink and overtrain and over this and that, but it gives you the confidence where you can be an amazing teacher, which definitely goes into the second piece is like, yes, you called all of us out. And, and it's not even like the, the fear of, of doing the improv. It's like the fear of stepping out. Like you would constantly call us out on, when we saw our community in need of support, right? What's the greater thing? The fear of making like an ass out of ourselves or the like the yesing to the community to support the people that are out there. And so that is like just so powerful how you've offered that in teaching. Um, and then the last thing, which I'm just really glad you highlighted because I talk about this a lot is um, the community is so supportive. Like both on stage, you learn how to support each other in these like, for me, mildly anxious situations, but also you're right. The hanging out beforehand, the getting to know each other. So you get to know each other, like in a way to play with each other and like the green room and hanging out after the show and laughing. It's like, there's so much beauty in the community that can be so supportive. Yeah. It's an endeavor that pushes people uh, to create mm -hmm. and just to create it all and show anybody is an extremely vulnerable thing. Yeah. So it pushes people to challenge themselves artistically and creatively. And, uh, you know, I think that's a, uh, a wonderful endeavor in life for anyone right. to do. It doesn't have to be improv. It could be any mm. endeavor, but push yourself creatively, you know? It's amazing. I, you've sold me. I think <laughs> I like, no, really. I mean, uh, well, when I, when I eventually get out to Colorado, if y'all are back open, I'll take my first class with you. Oh, okay. Right. I mean, I'll probably want to ship my pants on the yes. stage, but that's fine. It's cool. We'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll move through it together. Um, but no, really, I just, I felt, I don't know. I felt kind of emotional listening to you. I felt very, I, I could feel how deeply you care about this, this, right. And it's clearly shaped so much of who you are. And obviously is what makes you a great teacher. I feel like all great teachers are people who are so specially, uniquely, weirdly themselves all the time. And as anxiety warriors, we know how hard it is sometimes to be in our own bodies and minds. And so it sounds like improv was, was a way for you to be fully present in your own body and mind without feeling like it's attacking you. And I think that's something that all of us are seeking sometimes, or maybe I should just speak for myself. <laughs> I think that the creative minds unchallenged will turn on the, the mind, the, the holder of the mind, you know, that's yeah. what we need to stimulate ourselves. We need to challenge ourselves or else that creativity is going to put like idle hands, you know, um, mm -hmm. I think it's not good for us. Uh, that's, that's my anxiety. When I'm not busy doing something, my anxiety is creating reasons for things to go wrong. Mm -hmm. you know? um, so if I keep myself busy, not only do I get out of that mind frame, but I also get whatever I've produced the experience or the end result or whatever. I get the, the benefit of that. Yes. All right. So moving on, you had said this awesome line that I'm actually just going to read the quote from you in our call. Cause it was so great. Um, quote you, I've come to grips that this, meaning your anxiety, is an ocean that I'll be navigating in some sense my whole life, unquote. 
Can you tell our listeners what you mean by that? So the moments that can create anxiety are going to be constantly approaching you. You're going to be dealing with them. Um, as long as you're alive, you will be interacting with things that could spike your anxiety that you don't even understand in the moment. Sometimes I think the more you explore it, the more you do understand what's causing that. And it's very helpful. So I know that in my life that those moments are going to happen. And I also know that there'll be times when, uh, I'm not in the right frame of mind to, to recognize what's going on, or I'm going to be overcome by it. And, you know, you have to pick the locks, of the defenses that you know your anxiety is putting up and that's a, a work in progress and it's nice when you start building up experience with that particular type of lock and you can get through it really quickly you recognize it you know how to do it but there's going to be ones that are harder um and so i know that my job is not then to like think oh i just have to pick all the locks around me and i'll be fine my job is to go well okay there's going to be these moments where i'm going to have to do this and so I need to get better, you know, at recognizing them and dealing with them and knowing what they are, naming them and getting past them instead of trying to create a world that doesn't have. Um, so that is what I mean is like, I'm, you know, sometimes seas are going to be rough. I'm not going to have the willpower or the recognition, you know, and sometimes they'll be more serene, you know, maybe sometimes I want to win. So, but uh, like, so I have to, so I have to, instead of trying to create a world that I don't do that, a world where I'm better at handling. Yeah. Mm, I love it. So good. So, so good. All right. So you could go back in time, time machine, Josh, and speak to a younger version of yourself. What kind of advice would you offer a younger version of you? You know, this is, uh, this is a question that um, threw me in therapy <laughs> uh, <laughs> for a while and I didn't want to answer it for a very long time. Um, I think, um, I think the thing I would say is, uh, like ultimately I would tell me that you're pretty rad and the more time you worry about what others are thinking, um, the more you're going to worry that you're not rad. Mm. And the more times you start following your passions and, you know, trusting your instincts, uh, your life will be um, more rewarding. Um, and like, you know, just like, it's not always going to be easy, but it doesn't mean you have to pretend it's always hard. You can, you know, <laughs> like, uh, it will also, also be amazing. Love it. Yeah. So powerful. So, so good. You're rad people. That's it. That's what I'm going <laughs> to yeah. hold on to that one for my, so just remind yourself out there. You're rad. Love that word. Um, okay. So last question before we get into some lightning round and have some fun, which <laughs> I'm like, so psyched to have yeah. like an improv, like, <laughs> oh, you know, club owner, improv studio owner. I don't know what the right word is, um, here for lightning round. Cause Abby has certainly <laughs> taught me more about like asking wild questions. So, um, last oh, question is coming <laughs> travel travels brewing yeah. for you, buddy. <laughs> I'm sure you can handle it. Um, what does being an anxiety warrior mean to you? Um, well, I, uh, I think I was, you know, I've, I think I've danced around it a lot in these answers and, um, it's, uh, it's my idea that I have confidence that whatever's thrown at me, I'm going to be, I'm going to live through it. Yeah. I'm going to get to the other side. I'm not going to disappear, you know? <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, that all, sometimes you get overwhelmed by like big, big tasks, but anxiety, like to me, anxiety where I know that all that really is, is a bunch of little tasks that I'm going to be able to look at and make the judgment on and get through and make the best possible decision in the moment. And that I'm actually pretty good at decisions. And at the end of the day, I will have ended up where I want to be. Uh, so not, not to focus on the result, but focus on the process that gets me to the result. Mm. And that has helped me a lot with anxiety. That's why I feel like I'm an anxiety warrior because I do that all the time and it's very successful. Yeah. And that's huge. I mean, because I feel like sometimes in the anxiety, the thing feels so big, 
right? And to be able to find the next small step is sometimes what we miss. And so it's overwhelming and we're in anxiety. And again, I've said this before, but I just end up laying on the floor, like scrolling through my phone, like, right. And, and instead it's like, no, what is the next step? How can I take this apart? Because yes, I can handle this and I can do it task by task. And so I just, I love, I just love the way you paint everything, the way you say stuff. I just see all these images in front of me. So do you have too nice? <laughs> Thank you. No. Thank it's you so true. Much. It's true. You it, it's these are these are great nuggets for all the warriors listening to be able to hold on to for sure. Yeah. Just these these are the kinds of reminders that we all need, right? We can do things, we can get through things. It's overwhelming, it's exhausting, but that doesn't mean that we can't make it through and that we can't work it out. So good. Yeah. All right. Are you ready for some lightning round? <laughs> okay. I'm going to throw it to Abby first. She yeah. usually likes when I go first, but yeah. I can do it. First. We're go- so we're going to go yeah. back and forth. Okay. Abby's going to ask a question. I'm going to ask a question. Just a handful of questions and um, mm-hmm. we're just going to have some fun. Okay. Yeah. All yeah. Right. No pressure. You can think. You can pause. You okay. don't have to instantly say something. Okay. okay. Take your yeah. time. Okay. I'll start with an easy one. All right. Okay. Guilty pleasure TV show or movie? Oh, um, guilty pleasure movie. There's so many movies I know are bad that I love. <laughs> um, I love uh, guilty, but I'm trying to think of like the right thing about a guilty pleasure is it's not that you love it because it's bad. It's because yeah. you actually love it. Yes. Even right. though it that's is right. bad. Right. And so that distinction, <laughs> that distinction is tough. Uh, you know, it's a tough distinction. So, um, uh, you know, oh, okay. Oh, I know the answer. I know the answer right now. I watch so much of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. I'm a member of Bachelor Nation. I watch Bachelorette and Bachelor and uh, Bachelor in Paradise and all of the, you know, element, all the different shows. I follow people on Twitter. Yeah. I'm into the, I'm on the Reddit. Um, I just bought into this like little, uh, I feel as if uh, I get to participate in gossip but it's very harmless, yes. you know, like I get to like, oh, they're going to get together, you know what I mean? But it's a TV show, right? Uh, and then every once in a while, I find somebody that also feels this way about this dumb show. And we can just talk about like, he's not there for the right reasons, you know, all that stuff. Uh, I know it's bad. I know it's probably, it's probably a sign of moral decay, I, you know, <laughs> but I, I enjoy it. Yes. Do you, do you have a favorite bachelor or bachelorette? Well, I'm going to tell you that uh, right now, the one going right now, Michelle Young, uh, Mm -hmm. I'm very impressed with Michelle Young. I I also was a big fan of Jojo, who's a while ago. Um, (laughs) Usually the guys, I don't know. I'm like, I don't know why all these people are into this guy. I'm Mm. I'm too judgmental. So I haven't really, I haven't really had like a favorite guy, Mm -hmm. Uh, but there's been a bunch of the yeah, definitely JoJo. Definitely Rachel Lindsay was great. And the current one, Michelle Young, is, is awesome too. They're very smart. They make good decisions. They, they're pragmatic. They don't, they don't broker no BS. Uh, yeah. Love it. <laughs> I just, Love I'm, it. I, I, I've never been more surprised by an answer in my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> no, just like based on this conversation and just like, I, 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 officially mind blown. My mind is blown right now. <laughs> Okay, here we go. Is there a song from any time in your life that brings out a certain amount of emotion in you? And can you sing part of that song? <laughs> My I, okay. next one is I singing will, I too. Definitely, I will definitely sing some song. Uh, I will, I just, I have, this inspires a story if I could tell a quick story. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. And this is gonna sound gross, but this is life, right? I, I had love it. Divitis one time in both my eyes, which is pink eye. And I had it very bad in both my eyes, but I had to drive 10 hours to go pick up my daughter from her grandfather's house or something. Right. And, uh, but it only felt okay when I was crying, it hurt the whole time I was driving. I was like nine hours or whatever in a car. It hurt the whole time I was driving, except when I was crying. 
So I just decided to play every sad song I could think of <laughs> in order to keep the tears going. And at first, normal songs that might make you cry are great. By the end of it, you are on a sad, you are a sad song junkie. I was listening to Christmas Shoes. I don't know if you know that particular oh, song. Oh, no, that's a bad one. <laughs> it's so, it's like a little boy has yeah. to like borrow money to buy shoes for oh. his dying mother. Oh, God. It's a really bad song. When she meets Jesus. It's like, it's the most manipulative song I've ever heard in my Seriously. entire life. I'm so glad you just said that. Part. Oh, yeah. my yeah. God. Uh, yeah. But, um, I cry like I'm not a, I don't look I don't know what's going on with our lives before or after I have no idea I'm, you know life it's gonna happen or it won't have whatever but I if there's anything true to like past lives I think I died in Vietnam oh, because God. every song about Vietnam destroys me like every like um there's a Billy Joel song um where he's singing about uh the soldiers um uh in like talking about being trained yeah, um, I know the song and I it's escaping my mind right now. <laughs> oh man. Um, uh yeah, uh, and then there's a Johnny Cash song called Drive On, which listen to this sentiment, not to bring anyone down, but when you knew that you were going to not survive and you were wounded and there was other soldiers trying to help you, the phrase they would say to each other is drive on. Oh god. Right. So uh, Johnny Cash song wrote a song about that and that destroys me all the time i don't know if this is what you wanted <laughs> i did segment. say any kind of emotion i didn't yeah i didn't say sad oh. so it's interesting that your head went there no but like now i need now i need to hear like a ballad like from you or something <laughs> oh man um i mean i could pull up lyrics to that billy joel song i think uh oh i'm just thinking of sad song uh or no it could be a happy any- yeah a song okay. that, some, wait a song my a question would definitely get this song out a song okay. out. Let's okay. So my question was going to be, okay. what is your favorite Spice Girl song? And can you oh. sing a couple lines? <laughs> okay. So. so much emotion and depth in those Spice Girls. <laughs> wait, just wait. Oh. Okay. For sure. For sure. <laughs> uh, look, I know what the Spice Girls are and I love it. Me too. Uh, right, I'm so, here for it. Uh, uh, everyone goes for Zigga Zigga, you know, you're right. Everyone just, that's where they go. But I think the best song is when two become one. Yes. Oh my God. Right. Uh, okay. So this, I'll give you a little bit of this. Uh, I feel like on the spot, but let's see how many lyrics I remember. Uh, okay. Cause tonight is the night when two become one. I need some love like I never needed love before. Gonna make love to you, baby. Need a little love. Now I'm back for more. Gonna make love to you, baby. Let your spirit free. It's the only way to be. Is the night when two become one. That was so beautiful. Oh, I love it. And I love, love that it. Abby was definitely offering you some backup there, unsolicited backup. <laughs> yeah. uh, I know I messed up some of those lyrics, but I love that song. Okay. No, you sung it with you passion. nailed it. Sang yes. it with passion. Margot, get your words right. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we we did a combo there, Abby. Yes. We were like, it was like a layup. It was and, tag you know, team singing. Tag team. Okay. All right. So whose turn is it that? Is it my turn? It's your turn. Yeah. Okay. Okay, here we go. Um what is your favorite improv game? Um, like in improv, my favorite thing to do in improv is an improvised play. Uh, we used to improvise full length plays. In fact, I even won like play of the year in my region back in California. Uh, it was just so neat. It's amazing. Oh, I love it. Okay. Last, last question. Okay. Tomorrow morning you woke up and you were a mythical creature and you could be any, you could be like, and you could be like one like Pegasus or you could be like a unicorn or you could be like, you know, a vampire or you could be, you know, I mean, yeah. really sky's the limit. Yeah. What would you be and what would be your like sound, your oh. call to your friends? I would love to be like a mischievous um, kind of like puck in midsummer. Yeah, fairy that like just kind of like you know ate grapes in the woods and played along like just did little pranks on travelers and uh, made people fall in love just for the heck of it. I would love to be that type of uh, fae. Yeah, um, it, uh, 
And then wait, what was, was, what was the next part of it? Was and then like, part? what is your, like when you're calling to others, oh. what would that sound be? Oh, well, I mean, the kind of, uh, the kind of character I'd like to be is very kind of like, um, you know, like, ooh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. like, oh, something to play with. <laughs> love it. Good. Love it. I love the body language that went with it too. For every, this is audio media, but there was like some backing up and the hands were up near the, near yeah. the chest. <laughs> it took a lot of training to marry performance with physicality. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took a lot of work to like, so I, everything I do, I have to like, oh, you know, everything. Yeah. Amazing. Well, this was so much fun. One of my favorite lightning rounds ever. Yeah. Yes. I mean, Abby's first question to one of her first questions to me ever was to ask me to react to eating hot soup. So yeah, I make the sound you would make if you were eating hot soup. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I, according to her, I did okay. So like, yeah, I mean, I, so I've, I've been slowly warming up to the concept of like, do this thing in the moment. Um, anyway, so before we let you go, um, do you have a win of the week to share with us? Um, you know, uh, running a theater is a, uh, is a, an endeavor that sometimes you don't like how, you know, you have to make the sausage, you know, just how much work it is and stuff. But the reward of that is amazing nights with full houses and mm. people that love each other on stage doing amazing performances. And then everyone gets off stage and it's just like, oh, that was so good. And it's a, such a wonderful experience. I just had that on Friday and Saturday, two nights in a row of just wonderful nights. And it's just like, this is why I'm doing this. Mm. I love this job. I love being at this place. I love being around. So it's a huge win. Um, And like, even in those nights, there were like, there were times where I was like, this could be something that agitates me. This could be something that gets me going. But I always found a way to uh, find a good positive result with the interaction and also maintain that energy of this is sweet and perfect. Love it. That's such a huge win. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Josh, for being a guest on the podcast. This was such a blast. Thank you so much. I loved it. I was like, obviously I was a little anxious about it, you know, (laughs) everything to make me feel comfortable. And it was a really wonderful experience. Thank you. Yay. Thank you. Bye. Oh my gosh. I literally was smiling from ear to ear listening to this conversation with Josh. He is so, he's just so different but the same as so many of our other guests. Like we, as soon as we had jumped off our call with him, we, we said like, he's, it's so fun talking to people that are so outside of our like line of work mm-hmm. or that just, I don't know, have, have different perspective to share. Right. And this was no different. Right. Right. I mean, um, I am a huge fan of Josh. Um, he's yeah. a really awesome teacher. Uh, so, so when I first, I have talked about this in a previous episode, but when I first moved to Denver, um, I was like, I need to make friends. And I instantly was like, well, let me sign up for the local improv school, uh, which, you know, is rise comedy. And he and his, his, um, friend, Nick actually had just like started like their school back then they had taken it over from another Mm. improv school. And, um, and it's amazing because, they, they so wholeheartedly put themselves into this work. They are so authentic in just constantly learning as they're going and making sure that they are being inclusive for everyone and adapting to all different learning styles. Um, and also just making it a really fun and safe environment. Um, and so I've definitely made some friends going through improv and I will just say like, you know, he is an amazing teacher because he's so great at inspiring everyone in the class and being so supportive, but also allowing them to be themselves, right? Like no one felt like we had to improvise like Josh. No one had to be like Josh. Like he allowed mm-hmm. us all to be ourselves and feel safe in that, but also supporting us in, in stepping outside our comfort zone and supporting each other. And, you know, one thing that he didn't say, but I will say really shows up in improv is you learn a lot about trusting yourself. And he Mm. like gives that to his students. He allows them to be able to trust themselves, even if what they're going to do feels ridiculous or silly, or they feel insecure. He just really supports them in, in knowing who we are. Right. And, and trusting ourselves that we're going to make a good choice that supports our peers. Uh, Yeah. I could definitely feel that from Mm -hmm. him, right. He just gives off a very like 
warm and playful energy while yeah. remaining calm and grounded and centered, which is what most good teachers, right? These are the qualities of good teachers. Yeah. Um, so, and I love that even as an anxiety warrior, right? Like you and I, Abby, like he knows how to be anxious as, as we all are living with it day to day, but mm -hmm. also be able to offer people wonderful experiences and be able to perform and be able to you know, be authentic and show up as yourself, even when that self is not feeling your best or messy right. or chaotic. Right. Um, I really, I loved learning so much about improv, like the, so many things that you and I talk about and many of our guests, uh, when it comes to coping with their anxiety, when it comes mm -hmm. to strategies and skills has to do with things that we can do sort of in the moment, right? Like those in the moment self-care practices. We talk a lot about yoga and mindfulness practices and those types of life skills that have served us so well. So I yeah. was just obsessed with learning about, and I know you've sp spoken at this at length, how improv has helped you so much as a public speaker, as a mindfulness teacher, as a somebody living with anxiety, mm -hmm. but listening to someone who does this work as like, they're this is their yes. living. And from that, that real passionate place. I just loved learning about it. It made me feel really curious too, like as someone that's never really been interested in yeah. acting in that way or in improv, it's certainly at all. And now it's like, maybe this would be interesting for me to try at some point. And so maybe like, even fun, maybe even <laughs> fun. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So not just like to help my anxiety or help right. me to learn to trust myself more or whatever, yeah. but also just to have fun and meet people. Right. We talked about adult relationships mm -hmm. and making friends and it's just like, yeah, that sounds like a fun, supportive thing to do. That might right. be scary, but also might be have have other benefits. Right, right. And, you know, like one of the benefits, which like he kind of said, right, was he was telling about improv and he was explaining, you know, there's like what everyone knows as the yes and, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone's heard yes and for improv, although it's much deeper than just saying yes and, right? Um, right. But one of the things that like I heard through him speaking about this that I had never pieced together before is like anxiety is always telling us stop. No, don't do that. Right. Mm -hmm. What if, what if, what if? And and the more you can practice that yes and right, like like just like I know that by doing improv, I felt more confident like going to social gatherings, even though I have social anxiety being able to have conversations with people because of the skills of like, yes, and, and being able to really just say yes to the experience. And then yeah. the, and part is adding to the experience. And it gave me this whole set of like confidence I never had before. And so, that. yeah. So Josh, when he was talking about, yes, and it really just like, in my mind, I really took it as like, oh yeah. Like anxiety says, no, don't. <laughs> But improv says, try something new. And it's like getting those new neural pathways firing. Yeah. I mean, right. He, and he, when he said the word yes too, right. There was, it was like, just say yes. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, it's, it's an invitation. It feels yeah. so open. Yeah. It feels inviting, you know, I mean, and even if it is scary. So just for the warriors out there listening, this concept might sound really foreign or weird or like, no, that's not me, but I don't know. I, I feel pretty inspired by it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So what were some of your other takeaways from the conversation? We spent a lot of time talking about improv. Yeah. Like, what else did we talk about? That was yeah. So there was well, so much. There was so much. I really loved how he reframed worry in a sense where it can set our future selves up for success mm -hmm. because it is exhausting in the overthinking, but the overthinking can also help us figure out like, what are the possible problems? What are the things that might come up? How would I want to respond to each of those things so that our future selves, when we're having maybe one of the experiences we've pre-thought of, right, is able to navigate and handle it, right? And this more like, in my mind, like more graceful way. And so I really liked when he spoke about how, you know, worry can be exhausting, but it can also set up our future self for success. Yes, I love that part too. So good. And I just related so hard to so much of like his transactional anxiety stuff mm -hmm. and just all the thought that can sometimes go into our interactions with other people, certainly in, um, in like say a store or that kind of an environment, but just more generally, like having an exchange with another person in any kind of environment, what, how that kind of impacts him or had mm -hmm. impacted him for so long. And then when he had that aha moment for himself, it's like, oh, it doesn't have to be this way. Right. And it just made me remember too. It's like, 
oh yeah, people aren't looking at me or thinking about me or listening to me in the same way that I am doing all those things for myself. Right. Like this is such a powerful reminder that like so many of us feel this way on the inside, have trouble giving voice to it sometimes. Right. Just knowing we're not the only one. I felt very validated again in that moment. It's like, I'm not the only one that feels this way when I'm having an interaction with a person that I've spent like literally 20 minutes thinking about what I'm going to say. So I don't yes. sound stupid. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, so I love that because I mean, that's definitely something I've had like my whole life is the overthinking and the interaction and the, but, but I mean, the reality is most likely they're not <laughs> thinking right. the same. And I've been the person on the other side of the cash register. Like I've worked at the gap and I've waitressed and stuff. And like, when I'm interacting with people, I just want them to be nice. I don't care if they're awkward. I don't <laughs> care if they stutter. Like, I don't care about any of that. Just be nice. And that's ultimately I feel like what, what he was getting at is part of all of the overthinking is being considerate of others. And I can definitely relate so much to that is just like, right. Like having that self-reflective piece where you, you understand your impact in the spaces you're in and the people you're interacting with and, and wanting to leave it in a positive experience. Totally. Yes. So, so good. This was such a fun conversation. Um, I think my, my last big takeaway was just how, how passionately Josh spoke about create using creativity to your advantage. Mm -hmm. Right. And even if that creativity has nothing to do with improv or acting with other people, just finding create more creative outlets potentially to, um, navigate your big feelings, your anxiety, whatever it is you're, you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, that definitely stuck with me. And then also just, you know, we say it a lot, but just the power of community, right? Yes. We're all in this together. We all have our own individual experiences. They might not all be the same. Maybe not everyone in this group has transactional anxiety, but we're all a community together and, you know, we support each other and we show up for each other and we lighten up the more heavy parts together. And, and, and so I just really love that, you know, he made sure to include that piece because that, that is what I just absolutely love from improv is the community aspect of it. Yeah. Sounds wonderful. Yeah. Sounds wonderful. And this was probably one of the more, I mean, all our lightning rounds are so fun, but this was up there for me (laughs) as far as like just wild and fun. So good. Taking it to the next notch now. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, do you watch The Bachelor? Um, I watched The Bachelor probably a long time ago. But oh what what I actually wanted to tell him at the time, but I just felt like it it wasn't a good time, was um, geez, I don't know, fifteen years ago. Uh huh. I tried out for the Real World twice. What? I didn't know that. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh, so I've definitely had my reality show guilty pleasure as well. Can I watch your audition tape? I don't, I don't have my audition <gasps> tape, but oh. when we get off of this, I will tell you it. Cause it's a good story. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I cannot wait to hear this. This yeah. is, this is top secret warriors. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so such a great episode, so much fun learning about Josh and getting a chance to connect with him. Um, we hope that all of you out there listening, enjoyed this episode. Um, we'd love to hear from you warriors. Let us know your thoughts on the podcast, this episode, or any of our episodes, you can find us on anxiety warriors podcast on Instagram. You can shoot us an email at anxiety warriors podcast at gmail.com. Um, let us know your thoughts on the pod. Do you have any suggestions for us? Topic ideas? If you think you'd be a great fit as a guest on our show, we'd love to hear that too. So please reach out. Do not hesitate. We are here for you, warrior fam. And as always, please take two seconds, one minute at most to jump on Apple podcasts, smash that five-star reading, write us a short review so we can continue to grow our warrior family. Mm -hmm. Maybe, (laughs) you know, someone listening and you're like, Hey friend, smash that five-star review and leave a little short snippet so that we can continue to grow. Right. So if you're listening right now and you have not left us a review or smash that five-star rating, then, you know, this is your homework for this moment. Mm -hmm. We know your phone is in your hand, so make it happen for us, please. That'll be your, your early holiday present for us. (laughs) Love it. Love, 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 love. All right, warriors. Thank you so much for being with us. Yes. Thank you all so much for going on this journey with us. We're so grateful you're here. Till next time.